I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. Oh, today you get to spend over an hour. We went over on this episode with a woman that I have been following on Instagram. And then every video, every podcast I could listen to, I listen to her. She has been speaking to me for the past two years and I've been trying to get her on this podcast. And finally we connected and she had had COVID last year and pneumonia. And she was like, I wish I could give an excuse that I was doing something amazing and why we never could connect, but we did. And I know everything is divine timing because it was such a magical conversation. You are going to love her like I do and understand why I was seeking her out and was not going to take no for an answer until I got her on this Zoom. And, you know, she's like this angel. And I know when you meet her, you're going to feel that energy of this pure love and a knowing, you know, she's maybe 10 years older than me in her 60s and has experienced some amazing stories that we'll share. And there's something about when someone calls himself, she calls herself a mystic. And she'll explain that to you at the beginning. I'm not going to go into that, but she is so beyond any kind of identity word that we use because she's so deep and so lovely and so beautiful. I'm so happy that I got to share her with you so you can meet her. But this is what Deirdre Hayde is her name, is what she puts on her bio. She's a modern day mystic, poet, and visionary leader in the ancient arts of the wisdom traditions, creator of the Radiance Journey, a path to mystical knowledge, uniting the magical with the material, soul purpose and mystery with everyday life. The way she was raised, her stories with her mom. Oh gosh, you're just, you're in for a treat. But before we get going, I hope everyone's enjoying their summer. I'm can't believe this is episode 168 already. I remember dreaming (laughs) of being uh, episode 18 and now it's 168. Still haven't missed a week. Uh, When this podcast goes out, we will be traveling to Italy. And last year we went to Paris and we decided when we got home that that memory together as a family is so precious. And knowing that the girls are getting older they'll appreciate Europe. And it was just the perfect age. So when we got home from Paris last summer, we were like, we're going to schedule another trip. And we decided to try Italy and we've Richard and I have never been. So I will get back next when we have our, my next interview after Italy and let you know how it went, but we are staying in Rome and we're going to travel to the Amalfi coast and the and to Tuscany and then just 
stay in Rome and see all the sites there. I'm really looking forward to that. You know, the girls are at the age where they're like, oh, another museum. <laughs> but I know that they'll look back like they did in Paris as the memories and nothing's more precious than memories right now. And I go back to, you know, our all of our little trips that we've taken, our weekend getaways, and it's all memories. You know, we only get this childhood with them for 18 years, and it goes so fast. So enjoy this moment with your children if you have them living with you, and enjoy the summer. Hopefully by now the sun has come out. <laughs> but anyway, I uh, just have been dreaming of this trip. And now that I know that I'm on it, because <laughs> there's no time, like we heard last week with Tracy, with our past lives. If you haven't heard of that, heard that episode yet, go back to that week. That was a fun one. And you will love her too. But anyway, dear Dre Hade is a blessing for me to be able to introduce to you. So share this episode. You can go to my YouTube channel, watch the episodes. Sometimes it's more fun to see actual conversation if you had to have time to watch. But I know most of my listeners are listening as they walk or in the car like I do. Always learning and growing. And uh, that's Deirdre for sure, because that is her drive and her mission to help people see their power and understand. We'll do it at the end. Stay till the end. It's a long episode, but we do this visualization that will take you to... Uh, <laughs> Like it did me. I had to get off that podcast after we recorded. It was, I was in a different place. It was so powerful. She's just beautiful. So, without further ado, let's bring her on and let you see how beautiful she is. Please welcome Deirdre Hade to the show. Welcome, Deirdre. Thank you, Ashley. So happy to be here with you. Oh, I'm so grateful. And like we spoke before we hit record, that this has been a long process of trying to connect, but I always know it's in divine timing and exactly when it's supposed to be. And, you know, learning, I love, I really love this podcast because it expands me and, and makes me grow. And I've learned so much from studying you and learning your story. And I want you to start with sharing your story because a lot of times we can become this mystic, the, the labels or the, you know, the things we call ourselves in this body, right? This life that we're living. But when you don't realize where it comes from, it's sometimes the meaning of that label doesn't have that richness that what your, what your story does for me. So what got my, when I say uncover your magic, what I feel like when you uncovered your magic was when you were in the tent with your brother at three years old and you were at the tree and you were talking to your grandfather. Can we go there and then go into Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you so much, Ashley. And, and thank you for your patience. And I'm so, so happy to be here with you now. So yes, I'd love to start with that story. But first, let's begin with what is a mystic? A mystic is one of being a person who lives in this reality that we can see this, uh, the table, the chair we see with our, these eyes, lives in this reality, but also lives simultaneously in another reality 
or the reality of light, the spiritual reality. And a mystic is one who can visit these other worlds, glean knowledge, wisdom, foresight, bring it back, and then share it with the tribe. That's the purpose of being a mystic. I did not know I was a mystic until after a lifetime of people saying, well, who are you? What do you do? Like what? And me going, I don't I don't really, I mean, I just, I don't know. I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not this, I'm that. I'm all of it. And then I started to do some research on that word mystic. And I said, oh, that's it. I have now a, a little uh, cubicle I can put myself <laughs> other than I don't know. <laughs> so mystics they tend to be um, more reclusive in nature, uh, tend to spend a lot of time in nature. Mystics, at least in the 21st century, we have been sidelined, but that's not a bad thing just because we live in such a secular world today. Mystical knowledge had a difficult time piercing through the consciousness. But we're seeing this happen now, and it's really uh, beautiful, beautiful for all people, right? That we now acknowledge or even think about, well, maybe there are these alternative realities. I happen to experience them in full-blown color. So in my reality, the worlds of light, it's not an imagination because the experience is so permeable. It's it's right here and right now. So my purpose really now is to invite you, invite people to explore the part of yourself that has an experience of oneness with all that is, the joy of the creation. So I wanted to just kind of share, you know, what a little bit about what a mystic is. So my first experience of having a vision was actually was about three and a half because my brother had just been born. And when I was three and a half, we would go camping on Lake Michigan. We'd go to the pine forest or we'd go down to Lake Michigan and swim in Lake Michigan. And in my consciousness, my mind, I don't know why it is, but I have full memory of being born and my childhood. I just have, I haven't lost these memories. But I remember the lake of Lake Michigan in my experience was alive, was conscious, was a being as alive as my mother or my father who I loved. I had a relationship with this lake. This lake was a sentient being. I didn't think the lake is a lake and it's not a person and they're separate. In my awareness at that age at three, the lake and my mom and the people in my life are all the same. They're all part of my family. Hmm. Everything is alive. So now we go camping the trees for me were my friends. They were as alive as my human friends. The moon was alive. Like the man in the moon was a real being that talked. 
and, and that was the world I lived in. I saw like fairies. I saw the the fairy spirits, and I would point them out to my parents, and they'd be like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's um, what I was going to ask you because right, yeah. they weren't. Were they on the same page? Or were they- no, no, no. So both my parents were academics at the University of Chicago, biochemistry, physiology. My grandfather was one of the seminal collaborators in, in sociology. You know, he was Herbert Bloomer. So ever, I was steeped in the sciences. I went to the university with my parents because they didn't have babysitting. And uh, so my earliest memories are sitting in these rooms with a, somebody with a chalkboard and all these hieroglyphics all over the chalkboard and being in the laboratory with my father. I just, that's where I was all the time. So my parents, I had a very active imagination. (laughs) Very active imagination. But this really stumped them because at this time, this story, my first uh, real vision came. I was down talking to this great pine tree that I understood to be my grandfather. He told me he was my grandfather and I believed him. He was one of my grandfathers. And I was down there just talking to him through this kind of mental telepathy. That's what I was gonna ask you, not out loud. No, I, telepathy. it was, it was a, a language within. It was a telepathic. Right. At that time, because I'm three, I don't really know how to talk that well. In my mind, I'm thinking talking is so slow and it's so cumbersome. It's much easier to wow. communicate through this telepathy. So that's how I communicated with nature. And I'm there and up in the branches, all of a sudden, a cloud appears. And I see a truck run over a tent where my little brother, he was brand new, brand new. He's probably March, April, May, June, like four months old, was sleeping in the tent. Now, I was supposed to be taking a nap in the tent but I never took naps. I couldn't. <laughs> I always got up. I snuck around. I oh, cute. Yeah, that I never took a nap. <laughs> they kept trying. So I was supposed to be in the tent too. So I see this truck run over the tent, and I think, "Oh my gosh, my baby brother!" So I immediately turned and ran up the hill to the tent. Uh, my only thought was, I have to get my brother out. And I ran in the tent. I went to pick up my brother. And I remember my mom's voice saying, don't drop his head. His neck could break. <laughs> I remember her saying, don't ever pick up your brother, right? right? Right. And I'm like, oh, dear, I have to pick him up. What if I drop his head and his neck break? Right. I'm thinking right. thoughts. So I pick his head up under my hand. One day, and I, I, I mean, he's big, right? <laughs> I run out the tent. And just as soon as I get out of the tent, a pickup truck ran over the tent going down the hill and crashed into that tree where I was standing, my grandfather tree. And there was a lot of dust everywhere. And I heard my parents, especially my mother, screaming at the top of her lungs. Oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, no. You can imagine that they were 
just terrified because it, in their minds, the very worst had happened. And then in the smoke, there I am. And their astonishment, they picked us both up and were crying. And, and then they were like, how did this happen? Deirdre, they said, how is it that you and your brother were out of the tent? I didn't get in trouble for picking him up or <laughs> right. <laughs> and I proceeded to try to tell them about my grandfather tree and the vision and what happened. And they kept saying, slow down. We can't understand you. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, this language I'm learning is so slow and I can't get my mouth to move the way it's supposed to. And I actually had a language of my own that my father actually wrote down a lot of the uh, words because I said to them as I was learning to talk, I have my own language and it's far is much better than this language. <laughs> you need to learn my language. Huh. And so I was trying to speak in this English, but I was really speaking in this language I came in knowing. So eventually they got the story and they were pretty like gobsmacked. I mean, they were both, you know, my father left the Catholic church, you know, <laughs> he was now an atheist. My mom more agnostic. She wasn't really atheist, but she kind of went along with my dad. And so that was their first real experience of, okay, who do we have with us? Right. Throughout my life, uh, my dad and I had a great relationship of me antagonizing him and questioning him about science and the uh, vivacity of the scientific method as opposed to the intuitive method. And one thing I used to say to him when I was, you know, about eight or nine, ten, I used to say, well, there are these worlds of light and there's these beings and they're very tall and they're made of light and they love us and they're here to help us. And, you know, my parents were like, wait a minute. <laughs> Uh, what's, what, what? But you know what? What I was just with your dad, because I know you're married to the scientist. Yeah, the, the, yes, from yeah. what the bleep do you know? Yeah, he made the book, the word "What the bleep do we know?" Yes, right. But he's that way too. A similar science based. You're he's more definitely similar science based. I would say he's like my dad, but he woke up that oh, there actually are these other realms of existence we just can't see them with our eyes right that doesn't mean they're not there so my dad at the end of his life he was very close and he was uh, he had a great sense of humor irish wit and he, he but he kind of came along with the program <laughs> he was going to leave the world and for a few years when he got sick you know he was uh, more forgiving and, and also questioning and saying, well, you know, I think maybe you're right. And yeah, I think you're, you know, he kind of came along. Oh, neat. Oh, I love that. I want you to share the, I still want to go back a little bit when you were seven, because I love this. When you were teaching your friends, you had the angel school. Yes. And then you wrote in your book, they're not ready yet. <laughs> I love that because I relate to that because I have two girls and I can't wait to talk about the angels. And because I love that 
we talk about them all the time. We at we I always you know ask your angels. You got to ask. But what, tell us about that time when you were little and you had those friends that you wanted to teach them. I think that is so cute. So we had moved from Chicago to the Deep South, and this was 1964. So it was still very segregated. And where we had lived in Chicago, we lived on the South Side in a co-op, married student housing. And, um, you know, it was very integrated, people all over the world. And so I didn't even know what them was, right? When we moved to the South, I started to see this, oh my goodness, this is so different. And uh, it was hard on me, it really hurt my heart. But I had an experience, which we would now call a near-death experience, but I had this experience when I was eight. I had a traumatic event, but I came back. My parents, the doctor, they were all like, okay, we, this isn't possible, but we're just going to say thank you and move on, right? That, that's oh, a, wow. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So then when that happened, after that happened, and I came back, I started in the morning waking up, right? As the sun was getting up. I would put on my mom's nightgowns because they were all fairy-like and long, and I would mm -hmm. just sneak one. I'd always put on, I'd run out to this mulberry tree, and I would sit there, and I think what happens, I would go into a trance. Like I can't say, oh, I remember going to a trance. No, right, right. just go out there and sit. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing I knew, these very tall beings showed up in a circle, and they said, Oh, we're, we're so grateful you decided, you know, you're here, you're alive. You decided to be here and we're going to help you. And we want you to know you'll never be alone. You will always be protected and safe. Always your whole life. We're always with you. And they said, we want to begin your education. You're ready for your education. And I said, great. So. I started having these conversations with them and asking their advice. And I said, well, you know, who are, you know, who are you? Now, I wasn't afraid or anything. Like, there was no yeah. fear. This was just, oh, yeah, this is life. Yeah. Right. These are my friends. These are my friends. <laughs> Go and, outside. And yeah, they don't have faces or anything. They're just oh, okay. tubes of light. Okay. Right? They're just light. You but, can still, like, telling me that you can see it. Yes, I can go back there. My mind. Yeah. yeah, very, very huh. clearly. And I started to ask questions and they, they would help me. And they had a great sense of humor and they said that they were angels. And again, I didn't wasn't brought up in a religious household. My grandparents were, but they it wasn't like a conversation, right. you know, it was it wasn't around, right? Right. They said they're angels, and I believe. I said, great. And based, I would ask them, well, how about my parents? I would ask question. My father has such a bad temper. What do I do? And then they they said, oh yes, you must have compassion for your father. He is hurting, and he doesn't know how to express that hurt. He's lost. He's left his connection and he'll find it again, but just have, you know, that's what they would wow. say. They'd say compassion is a pretty big word, but 
I don't even know how I understood that word, but I guess I did because that's what they said. And then they talked a lot about forgiveness, to forgive the people in my the community who were hateful and a lot of bigotry, right? To forgive them because they are lost, they don't know what they're doing. And then they, they taught me about, they, they told me about my life and what was going to happen and some of the things that would happen. I'd go down, the roads I'd go down. And then there was a lot of information that I think it, when I'm teaching or giving a transmission, that information comes through. So it's not like I remember everything they said. Mm-hmm. But it's in there because it just comes through. So what happened is I was so excited about the angels was I decided I want to share this with my friends. I was in third grade and I said, I'm going to uh, start an after school angel school. (laughs) And I got my friends and they were all want to be. And I told them the story and I had notebooks. I had a curriculum and the first curriculum, one of the first steps was forgiving your parents. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Then um, my friends went home, they told their parents. Now this is a very conservative area I'm living in. Then the kids came back and they were like, well, our parents are, you know, my mom (laughs) says, and I don't know about this. And, And I said, oh, but we don't see angels. And I said, well, you have to believe in them first. If you don't believe in them, you won't be able to see them. But if you really believe in them, you will see them. They are here right now. And this went on for a while. And then my friends got more and more skeptical. And then the parents started saying things that parents say that are very asleep, you know, I'm a bad kid. But I got so hurt and frustrated. That's when I wrote in my angel notebook, I'm closing the my after school angel school. They're not ready yet. (laughs) Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh, that is just priceless. It is just, I can just see you. But, but when you talk, you know, when you know they're angels at that age, if your parents weren't speaking of those are angels, how do you, you just know innate, like it's in you, like I know those are angels and they're, they're like messengers from God. I mean, well, they, I said, who are you? And they said, we're angels. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's what they said. They said, oh, we're we're angels. That was that. I said, okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and then you did you grow your relationship? I mean, since school closed, <laughs> since your school closed at that age, did you just continue that, go to the tree and have that, those conversations? So what happened is, yes, I went to the tree. I kept going to the tree, kept having the conversations. This was in Durham, North Carolina. And was very, very happy. I was in a state of bliss. I just felt one with everything. Didn't see any separation. It's like I was in this very expanded state for such a young person. And, you know, I was was very outspoken in school, I guess you could call it. Uh Like my teacher in fourth grade said something derogatory. We had one black boy in our class and she said something and I stood up and defended him and I got, I was like, you can't, and I got 
whisked to the office and I got beaten on my hand with a metal ruler huh. and it wow. hurt. I just remember it hurt so bad. And how do you connect um, with friends? Like, how do you go through school when you really understand the oneness and the... Right. Um, well, it's not easy. You know, I had withdrew from... I had girlfriends, but I wasn't close like I wanted to be because we were just so different. Right. But I had a really best friend who was a little boy and he was a hemophiliac and he lived down the street and we became best friends because he was a hemophiliac and he was so close always to the other side right i mean this is 1964 65 it they don't have all the drugs they have now he could bleed to death that was not something that would be uh, out of the or out of the ordinary so he became my best friend because he was right with me so that, that time I was in a very, this beautiful state. Then we moved to Memphis, Tennessee, right after Martin Luther King had been assassinated. Um, my dad was actually two blocks away when it happened is oh, wow. the University of Tennessee. And when I came to Memphis, we moved to Memphis. I felt this like, like a big opening, a big channel ahead. I just felt it closed down and the angels and that, other world just kept getting farther and farther away. I did everything I could to kind of hold on to it, right? To mm -hmm. like not have it go away. But it, it did start to kind of close down because there was no support for me to stay in that state. You know, and the whole world is saying to you, oh, it's all your imagination. You're making this up. You're going to end up in a mental institute when you grow up, you're crazy, you know, and those condemnations continue and continue, uh, you know, you have children, children just right close up, start to right. close up. Right. So I think that happens to all of us as we go through the uh, oh. of life as right. a child, these magical gifts we have, they get closed and they go into like a little dungeon. And um, it's not healthy, and it will no. sadness. Right. Mm -hmm. So I'm a mother. She just turned 17. But when you're talking mm -hmm. about when you were 16, and you really talk about prayer and mm -hmm. that silent watcher and going within, and I really just have really done that lately because I've been um, listening to you and understanding that power. But when your mother got breast cancer and you were 16, that's when it started to open again. Yes, because what happened is she got the breast cancer and one day she left and then she just didn't come back home for like two weeks. And we weren't allowed to go to the hospital. I mean, they had crazy rules, right? Right. This, back in the day. So this would have been 58, 68, 78, 70, what, four, maybe around 1974. You know, hospitals were closed. You couldn't just visit. I mean, it was very different. So we, we just weren't allowed to go to the hospital. I don't know why, but we weren't. She was gone two weeks. We were all, my brothers and I, my younger brothers, really scared. And then she came back. And when she came back, it was a different mom. She'd had a radical mastectomy. In those days, they, it was unkind. There was, there was no reconstruction. There was no support groups. 
you know, there was kind of this feeling like, well, you know, you did something to bring this on to yourself. And so when she, you know, she came back, she'd had this radical mastectomy and she'd seemed to have gotten shrunk. I mean, she used to be really tall. Right. But it just was so painful. And then, you know, my dad said, well, this is how advanced it is. And and they said, well, maybe she'll live a year. She'll do chemo and radiation, but it's very uh, advanced. So my mom went to bed and she was in, stayed in bed for a long time. And um, early on, I guess maybe she'd been home. I don't even know how long she'd been home, but maybe maybe a few weeks i was in the room with her and it was nighttime and i was so distraught i was grieving so about my mom and when a mom or a parent gets a traumatic illness like this and you're a child you no longer have a parent meaning that the love is there but they're not doing the things right. the parent does so you kind of like all of a sudden it was like I'm the grown up and I'm taking care of my brothers and my dad who's falling apart and making sure there's dinners and making sure that homework is done. And, you know, all of a sudden now I'm the parent running the show because my mom was not able to. So one night I was sitting there and again, my family was very agnostic. So there there wasn't any like discussions of prayer, any of this stuff. Right. But I just, a voice came in and the voice just said, put your hands on your mother and pray. That's what the voice said. Hmm. And I was like, how do you pray, right? Right. And then the voice said, just allow all the love in you to pour out of you to your mom and just focus on a brilliant white light. And then I saw this light in my internal vision, really bright, so luminous. And so I did that. I put my hands on my mom and I just started to pray and just repeat, dear God, please heal my mother. Please, please heal my mother. And I, and I just kind of kept going over that. And I, I saw this light inside. And then I think, again, I went into a kind of a trance because I don't remember anything. A few hours later, I heard my mom's voice and she goes, and she'd been in and out of consciousness. And she heard my mom's voice. She said, Deirdre, why are the lights on? That's what I heard. Deirdre, why are the lights on? And so I, I kind of came back. I said, oh, I must have fallen asleep. And I go, oh, well, I, I didn't turn any lights on in the room. That's odd. And I said, well, maybe my brothers, maybe somebody came in and turned the lights on. And then I went around, I said, but mom, the light bulbs are not on. The light bulbs are off, right? Wow. This is probably four or five in the morning, right? Right. Oh, wow. That comes up. It's still dark. Huh. And we both said, oh my gosh, there's a light in this room. We both saw it. And then my mom said, oh, I feel better. My pain is gone. I don't feel any pain. And then she said, well, what were you doing? Because I, I was like on top of her. Right. And I said, well, I, I was praying. And she goes, oh, well, don't stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And that was real. That was the turnaround. And then oh, my mother 
really began to dive into spirituality and this light just kept coming. It had returned and I knew where it was from and I was so grateful that the light had come back. So right. Do you ever feel like, because I always know that dis-ease or we chose to have these certain lessons, but your mom and you, before you came onto this, into these bodies, she was going to, you're going to get your gift back because I'm going to make you, I'm going to have breast cancer and have this, like you have this awakening again. I'm sure it's all part of the grand story that we'll never know, right? Only the creator seems to know all the means. Uh, and I'm sure of that. But one, my mother did live about 13 years longer mm. than they said she could live. And the doctors, and remember, this is Memphis, Tennessee in the 70s. There was no conversation about what we have now, what we know about death and illness. You know, the doctor literally kept saying, well, this is a miracle. We, your mother should not be alive. We don't know why she's still alive. They literally said that. Um, so she did live much longer, but as she went on her spiritual journey and I was able to be a part of that, she really became more and more luminous. And she said, well, you know, I'm done with my work here and it's time for me to go. And uh, I said, okay, you know, I was like 29 or so older than I said, oh, I understand and I'll help you, you know, I'm going to help you oh. this journey. And I did, and I came back home, moved home and was with her. And um, we prayed every day and spent time together. And then when she uh, started to get near her death, um, she'd stopped talking and she was just seemed to be kind of asleep. And then uh, one night I was in the room with her, I was praying. The sun came up and she sat straight up in bed, hmm. which is impossible because she'd had metastasized breast cancer and her bones. So she had bone cancer. Her bones were like chalk. So oh, she wow. couldn't move. Her bones were literally chalk. But she sat up and she smiled. And I saw this ray of light actually come in like right to her from outside the window. And she sat up and she smiled and then she just slowly laid back down. And then when she laid back down, I, her whole face changed. And I saw this like a Native American medicine woman. Huh. I saw a completely different face and she was gone. Hmm. But, she, but I was very aware she wasn't dead. Right. She was in the room. She was just now free of her body. Right. But one of the things that she had said to me towards the end was, she said, don't hate the cancer. The cancer was my gift. Oh, wow. Because I would not have reached the state of spiritual growth without it. It was, you know, my teacher. Right. Don't hate it. Right. Oh, I love that. Oh, gosh. Yeah, that is beautiful. I I want to um, talk about the angels because you do connect to them and you do, yeah. they speak through you yes. and go there because when did you start realizing you had that gift? I mean, you knew that the angels back when you were eight, but then 
it just started, you just started to connect with them more. And yes, so at 16, after the experience of the light, then they began to be more present because I was, again, had opened myself to them. And they said, you know, well, we've always been here. <laughs> right. Um, I began to dance. I became a dancer, a ballet dancer, modern dancer. And for me, uh, communing with the spirit was through dance. That was where I felt the light enter. I felt the union with the other worlds. And so I just poured myself into dance. And um, that was my whole life. And at that time, I began hearing voices, sometimes auditory from the outside, most of the time an intuitiveness, like I knew when I was little. And I went through a short period where I thought, well, gosh, am I going to lose my mind? Is that what, because I'm hearing voices. But I quickly went, no, 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 no. These are my angels. And they're real in my reality. I don't care what anybody says. (laughs) They're real and they're saving my mother. So um, that's okay. So I began to hear them and then speak uh, messages from the angels. And I did it in the form of poetry. So I started writing, sort of automatic writing. Yes. And I can let it come through. And I didn't have to have anybody skepticism or whatever they may say that they would want to say. So I started writing a lot of poetry and having an internal experience of the angels. Then I guess the kind of the new age movement sort of blossomed. Mm-hmm. I heard, was it my early 20s? I heard, um, what was that show from the coast with Tom? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, he was like yeah. the- so great because he brought all these speakers and then uh, Stephen Halpern came to Memphis and different speakers. So I started to feel like, oh, there's there's a group of people out there. I actually did Stephen Halpern's very first music video. It was uh, on oh, the, wow. yeah, it was on the, it's called Summer Wind and it was on VH1. It oh, was funny. the first mu- music video on VH1 because I was you know, a dancer and choreographer. And then it just kind of started to happen. I started to would get messages from people and I would say, you know, I, can I share this with you? And it was very helpful. It was very comforting. And then after my mother passed away, I went to see a woman from Texas who was a channel for Mary. And it was so comforting talking to her. And she kind of corroborated that I, you know, I had a gift. And so then over the years, I just decided to develop this gift mm-hmm. through a series of magical, mystical experiences, and then began to work with people and bring the messages. I think I first start kind of when I say the day I put my shingle out, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I think it was uh, officially, it was 2004, but before then... I'd been doing this with friends, people I know, but I kind of still kept it hush-hush. But in 2004, I said, okay, this is what I do. And everything really took off. People wanted to know and hear from these divine beings. And I was really grateful to share. When So when you're with me, so you're mm-hmm. on a Zoom with somebody, they ask you, 
you can pull the in your mind, you can see the angels around them or they're talking. How does that work? Yes. Well, I just have to put my intention on opening what I call those doorways. So when I'm out in the world, you know, I may see or feel something, but I don't open myself up to really see deeply because then I would be overwhelmed all the time. Right. But let's say now I can look at you and simply ask the angels, the light to open the gates of vision, of my vision, and I can read your soul and see what angels are working with you, where your soul is at, maybe some clearing that your soul would like to have with the light, you know, just like in real time. Like I could say, <laughs> you want me to share something right now? Please. With you? Okay, I'd love to. So the angels I see with you right now are Gabriel. Now remember the many of the angels are have a masculine and feminine side. They don't really have a gender the way we humans do. Okay. But they have a masculine presence and a feminine presence. So Gabriel is an archangel, and Gabriel is the archangel of wisdom and messaging, like bringing the message, bringing the word of the light. Gabriel also comes to bring a foretelling of a prophecy, right? Hmm. And also Gabriel ushers in new souls to our world, and she he ushers souls out of this world. So what I see with you, Ashley, is that Gabriel is your archangel, your overseeing angel that's been with you your whole life, working with you to speak your voice, right? Mm -hmm. To overcome the obstacles to really speaking your truth and speaking what you want to be heard. You're like your your purpose, your dharma. So Gabriel has been with you, helping you all along to overcome whatever obstacles in the way of that dream, of that purpose of yours. So Gabriel is saying to you, oh, my beloved angel of light, you are one of my emissaries, one of my legions of light to bring the word of goodness, mercy, compassion, healing to the physical world. And I've always been with you, will always be with you. Carry my light, carry my flame. It's a yellow flame. Uh, carry my flame as a torch, as a beacon, and trust and know that I am with you. And I see Gabriel right there with you. I also see the Archangel Michael, Michael mm -hmm. on the other side of you. And Michael is the Archangel of Protection and is also the Prince of Peace and is said to reside next to the throne of God or the, the Creator. And Michael has been following you and protecting you and your family since you were born. And Michael works with Gabriel, like the two of them are hold a balance. And he wants you to know that you can let go of your worry about your daughters. They're very strong and they are protected. 
and that you are an excellent mother mm -hmm. and that you can let go of trying to be perfect. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's funny. He's saying, let that go because it doesn't keep you in your happy place. So you can let that go and have trust and know that you're a really excellent mother and that they're going to, they're in good hands. They're all in good hands. Michael is also the slayer of, or, along with the Archangel Chamuel, the dissolver of karma, right? The dissolver. Oh, okay. So he's uh, right now, with your permission, he and Archangel Chamuel has been like a damper, like a damper on the light. Okay. So he's clearing that karma right now. He's just moving it away, moving it away. So you have more freedom. And then right behind you, I see the Ascended Lady Master Nada. And Ascended Lady Master Nada uh, wears a blue topaz in her third eye. And she is the Ascended being, the feminine being that sees to the future. They can see through the shadows to the truth. Hmm. And she carries a, a set of scales. So she is the one who of liberty, right? Lady Liberty, Lady Freedom. She's the one that brings a order, balance, harmony into the world. So she, I see her, she's just right there with you also hmm. uh, in a very, very big way. And then I also see the legions of light. These are the angels of the pink ray or the pink flame. And these are the angels of the Mother Mary and the Mary Magdalene the, and the Kuan Yin, the, that the ascended being of compassion and healing. So these legions of the pink ray are all around you with these phenomenal brilliant soft to brilliant shades of pink which is the healing ray of compassion it's like a nurturing hmm. and they are always with you and around you too oh man wow do i have a relationship with them like my higher self as a yes. like are we all connected like before i came down to this earth yes absolutely so before we come here we have a set of kind of mandates or karmas or a dharma you know a reason and we meet with the heavenly host to kind of decide what this life is about what this next incarnation is about because the creator's desire is for every person to become a full embodiment of the light their full true self. So everything is geared towards that. Every lesson, even for people who don't believe in anything beyond the hard facts in front of us, they too are on a spiritual journey of experiencing that. So we, we decide, and there are many possible outcomes of life, because once we get into this reality, it's choice and chance, choice and chance, you know, learning, growing, things happen, some things are planned, some things are not planned. So, you know, once you get here in this world, 
I don't want to say it's Russian roulette, (laughs) but there is an element of that. And based on our ability to listen to the light within and make choices from that, we either expand or we contract. We become more limited or we move into a limitless state of awareness. So yes, these archangels and ascended beings came in with you to guide you, help you navigate through uh, the world, right? Because the world um, has an interesting set of rules down here. Right. It's not necessarily rules we would write, but they're the way it's done. So, you know, they have watched over you, been with you, guided you, um, because you come from a star system of an angelic order, which is why you feel this close affinity. And as being part of an angelic order, this world probably has always felt very foreign, very strange. And what are the rules down here? Because they're not what I know, like almost like this puzzlement of Ashley growing up, becoming who you are of where am I? (laughs) Yes. land. What is this foreign place? And, And that's because you literally are not from around these parts. You come from this angelic world. So the angels are right there. And what I would prescribe is that you really open a dialogue and speak with them. They are emissaries of the light. Now, it's interesting because some people would say, oh, it's kind of sacrilege to talk or pray to anything else other than God. Right. So I want to clarify something that I think will help us with this. Through my studies and my scholarship of the archangels and the histories of prophetic text, whether it's Kabbalah, Christianity, Judaism, the Tao, many different modalities, I've, over my life, decided I'm going to learn this. I'm going to study it. And what I have discovered is that Melachim, or angel, comes from the Hebrew word Melachim, and it means package of light. And in the mystical texts and teachings of the ancient books of Scripture, what it clarifies is that the hierarchy of angels are the emissaries, like the hands and the fingers of God, like they are God. They're not like something separate right they're how god works because if you think of it god is so omnipresent god created this pantheon of different qualities of light Mm -hmm. so we could get help with certain specific ways yes i love that. that that's who we are as people right you know, we're not ascended yet. We're not in the void of light yet. We're here with our stories and our, the way we hold information with pictures and memory and experience. So God, out of God's compassion, created this pantheon of God's self. 
so that we would have something to hold on to. And that's really uh, what the archangels and angels are. And they're in every tradition. They have different names. In the Zen, you would have the, the boundless Buddha and the Bodhisattvas, right? In different, you know, like indigenous pathways of light, there's the, the great winged ones, right? And the, the different spirits of, of nature and the world, you know, so they're everywhere. They just have different names. Right. <laughs> they're the same energetic presence. And when God created this reality, the youngest world that we're living in of duality, God knew that it wasn't going to be easy. You know, this is not the easy world. So God made these creators, these energies of presence to make our life easier so we would have guides. And traditionally in society, the mystic is someone who says, oh, I had a conversation with this guide. <laughs> what they said, and I'm going to share it with everybody else. Right. Do you have any questions? Oh, gosh, that was so amazing. <laughs> we're coming to the end, and I appreciate you so much being here for this long. When you were talking at one point about we're at the place of the choice point. Yes. Can you talk about that? Yeah, so this is some information that came in from God, just... I received these pieces of information and about uh, five years ago in my samadhi, deep meditation, God came and spoke and said, you are at a choice point. Humanity is at a choice point. And it's in my book, the not so little book of surprises, uh, the whole quote. And then I asked God, well, what do you mean? And God said, well, Humanity now is being shown the light, the brightness of the light, the spirit is right here. And humanity right now is being shown the darkest of the of evil. Humanity collectively is going to make a choice. And now is the time. So your choices right now are very, very important. And the more of us who choose the light, who choose to say, I'm going to open up to something greater that my eyes can't see, but my heart knows, my heart feels, and it feels right. And I'm going to trust that no matter what anybody says, the more of us that, that can open to this heartfelt light, we are the leaders who will steer humanity through the dark times and into the light, into the times of healing and love and compassion. You know, so you're the leaders. Oh, you're so special. Wow. You are definitely doing what you were supposed to be doing in this on this earth. That well, is for sure. thank you so much for receiving me and for inviting me to be here with you. I'm just a mirror of your beauty of mm. everything you are. That was a beautiful, beautiful gift. Mm. Oh, thank you. Mm. To find you, we go to your name. D -E yes. Can you D -E spell it? I R D R E. On Instagram, it's deirdre.hade, H E D E. And then my website, deirdrehade.com. And 
please reach out to me. You know, if you have any questions, want to know more, I've created some beautiful, with Learning Strategies Corporation, some beautiful deep dives into working with the angels, working with the light for manifestation, the ascended masters, just all the yummy stuff. So <laughs> please reach out to me. I'm here for you. Wow. Thank you so much. That was a, the, a, such a beautiful gift in my life, meeting you and having this time together. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget, always look for the magic.